he forgets his pillow. His pillow. Every time. <laughs> his pillow. Every time. His pillow or a blanket. And I swear to God, I get so mad at him. Every time. Because he's like, dude, I got to go to Walmart. I'm like, dude, no. Yeah. Like... <laughs> It's Kevin from Ejection Pact, and you're listening to the Scoped Exposure Podcast, and my dog. You got your Bev as well? Yep, I'm good. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. I am really, really excited to be sitting down with a homie uh, from down in Ohio, uh, Mike White from uh, Orthodox and Bather. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah. I'm really excited to kind of be on one of the episodes. Yeah. Very yeah. Stoked. Yeah. Mike and I got to meet uh, in person for the first time when Orthodox came through and played Winnipeg. Um, Interestingly enough, you guys were kind of doing a very short run up with Kublai Khan, and then they kind of went through the rest of Western Canada and were doing things with, um, I'm trying to remember who the bands were, uh, but it was more of a, a metal tour, but you guys did this really short stint, so I was really happy to to catch you guys when I did, and uh, yeah. you know, things went off well, the show was fun, the video popped off when I posted it. So yeah, I'm really excited to be uh, chatting more about some of those things. Yeah, that was a super fun show. It mm -hmm. was kind of, kind of interesting because we went up with them. It was like five days or four days or five days. Mm -hmm. And then they went, I think it was with Despised Icon actually. Yes, yeah. I was, like I wanted to say, bands. yeah, I wanted to say something like Acacia Strain, but I knew it wasn't that, but it was, I think mm. it was Despised Icon. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we went out with uh, Slaughter to Prevail, Prison, and Body Snatcher. Oh, yeah. So yeah. did you so guys did essentially just did a U-turn and go back down south, or where did that tour start specifically? Gosh, that tour started, oh, it started in Pontiac, Michigan. Oh, okay. So, you know, went up into Canada, then right back down and uh, yep. went, went to the Midwest. So yeah, that, yeah. that's very cool. Um, well, Mike, I'm super excited to be chatting with you. Um, obviously, the bands that you play in both I majorly fuck with and, um, you know, Thanks. Orthodox's, uh, you know, latest release was definitely one of my faves from last year. Um, and obviously you're a very avid drummer, so I want to chat, you know, drums and some of those things. Um, but before we get into it officially, let's do our Bev check. Uh, tell the people at home what you're sipping on, sipping on and, uh, and yeah, set the, set the Bev tone for the episode. Cool. So like, I really, I really mess with ginger ale. Okay. So I got a late one. Okay. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Bring me up to it's speed cool. on some of that. So it's like, it's. Ale eight one, but it's pronounced a late one. Which <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. But I think it's like kind of a Kentucky Southern Ohio type thing. Okay. And uh, I can't remember when I first discovered it, but they started to put them in like Kroger's and whatnot up here. So sure. I was like, all right, I'm I'm gonna get like a couple six packs here and there, and that's what I decided on today. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good pick. I'm I'm not as big on the ginger ale and i think maybe it's due to just me not like diving headfirst into that world uh i have mm -hmm. a lot of ginger ale um 
fans and friends, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, no, the the spelling of that is funny. It just brings me back to like high school when you were like doing T9 and doing the GR8. Uh, if you're trying the, to say great, yeah. anything like that. Goofy ass spellings for, for nothing. No reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, man, sometimes I think about like, the flip phones and the T9s and like how fast you, your brain would work to like spell even just a sentence because they're hitting like the seven to get to S or whatever it is. So. Yeah, it was it was three for everyone except for like zero was four of them. It was just like <laughs> looking back, you're like, how the hell was I typing out paragraphs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're just going so fast. Yeah, um, yeah, kids, kids today, you know, like I think my. Uh, my wife had a phone where I think it's maybe on the pixels where you can kind of swipe around to spell a word and it's smart enough. Oh, like that cross? Yes. Yeah, one oh, of those. I can't remember what that's called, but that I, I can't do that. <laughs> like I have hard enough time just spelling. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. I do think uh, I'm getting more on the just sending voice messages to people because sometimes i'm like this text doesn't need to exist forever like if i'm just asking you like right. a quick question or something that doesn't need yeah. to be documented on my phone mm-hmm. yeah um as far as what i'm checking bev wise uh i got you know today i i was gonna it's always a question mark now you know with having bev sponsors and some of those things but mm-hmm. um you know i i felt a little dehydrated today so i'm just rocking a liquid death sparkling water um, funny enough, I reached out to them for sponsorship and I can't say officially yet, um, that we're sponsored. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, maybe that has changed, but I reached out to them and I'll tease it for any avid listener that I am going to be doing a podcast episode with their vice president, um, That's to talk sick. about, you know, obviously like, you know, Bev's, but we'll also talk about music things. Cause he was like, yeah, I worked Warp Tour and OzFest. I'm like, oh, okay. And it was funny enough because I didn't, when in the initial email, I didn't ask him to come on. He just was like, this sounds interesting. I'll like, if you, if you'll have me, I'm down for it. So that'll be coming down the pipe very soon here. I'm just going to take a sip. Very good. Very uh, do you, do you fuck with these guys? Are you? A I, ha- I haven't tried any yet. I everybody everybody has them, and I just I don't know. I haven't come across them yet. <laughs> yeah, it seems well. To my knowledge, they're based in California, and mm-hmm. like there's just um, they haven't really tapped into a lot of Canadian markets, at least that I've seen. Like it'll be, I'll be at a random Seven Eleven, and I'll see one, but uh, it's not as wildly um, accessible. So I don't even think I've seen them in the wild. Oh, interesting. I don't, because I, until you said that, I didn't realize that he was actually um, out in stores. Right. Like in, but that probably changed pretty recently, because I know his marketing online was pretty much just like, you know, buy a case or two or whatever, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I never, I was like, eh, I don't really need a case. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try it eventually. But right. it, it's a very sick concept for like the recycling and whatnot. I really, I fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, one of the other Bev sponsors uh, that's out as far as the time of recording this uh, new level, which I'm starting to put some uh, Bev's on the I wall see that here now. There. Yeah. So awesome. um, when I saw Drew last, he was his business partner essentially said he foresees apparently there might be a, a and I'm and and don't quote me on this, but there might be a aluminum shortage coming down the pipe just 
on the on the sense that like kegs aren't like the common thing so it's like there's you know the supply and demand of that is shifted um but yeah i didn't really fact check him on that but you know it that's, that's his world so yeah that's kind of interesting we'll have to see how that i never goes. even thought that that would be a shortage type thing but yeah of of just like some kind of metal like that nope. sucks though like because obviously there's not a shortage of plastic and that's I feel like that's harder to recycle versus metal. Mm, yeah. So that, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not an expert as far as some of those things. So someone have to, if right. if you know all the science behind recycling and all that kind of shit, you can, you can educate people in the comments. Um, but Mike, you know, let's obviously chat some music things. Um, as you know, any first time guests on the show, um, I like to get context about how they got into heavy music, how they got into metalcore, hardcore, uh, however they want to spin it. So let's go back in time. Tell me some of the first times that you heard, you know, screaming, breakdowns, some of those things, and uh, we'll kind of set the stage for the rest of the episode. Cool. Yeah, so when I was growing up in my house, it was kind of like my parents were just, they party a lot, you know, on the weekends and, you know, uh Live music was kind of a thing. My dad was a drummer. Okay. And there was there was always people ever jamming or play, playing whatever in the basement. And the PA was always loud as hell. And I was always exposed to, like, that loud kind of atmosphere, okay. which was very cool. So I grew up around, like, my dad was in a country. So, like, John Prine, Merle Haggard, stuff like, stuff like that. And then my mom was kind of into you know, just alternative rock on the radio. Around that time, it would have been a lot of Matchbox 20, Collective Soul, stuff like that. Gotcha. And, I, you know, it was cool to me back then, but it wasn't like, oh, I want to listen to that or I want to, like, grab that and go. So I can't remember the exact moment, but I know in the early 2000s, I think it was about like 2001, there was like a before school program, after school program at my elementary school, I was in like second, third grade. You know, you drop your kids off in the morning before school for parents that needed to go to work. Right. And there was this kid, I don't even remember his name, his face, but we would always like have CDs and stuff we would listen to. And I remember kind of pulling up his CD booklet and we would trade CDs and listen to stuff. And back then I didn't have really anything. I remember having the the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. <laughs> okay. Which it had like a Rob Zombie song, you know, a little bit edgy stuff. There was a Limp Biscuit song on there. Sure. And like, mm -hmm. I knew of that, but I didn't, nothing heavier at the time. Right. And I would go through his CD booklet and try stuff out. And there was one CD. It was this gray CD and it like had weird writing on it. And I was like, what is that? And I put it in and it was Issues by Korn. And oh, I was like, okay. I was like, okay. what the fuck is this? You know, the intro track, there's like bagpipes and this weird stuff. And then track two is uh, falling away from me. And I was like, whoa, right. this is like creepy and weird and heavy. And like, I've never heard anything like that. Mm -hmm. And from then it was just like, just go. Mm -hmm. And I know um, we had a family friend, my mom's best friend's son was also into corn okay super heavy into it so like i would like learn their discography from him like oh this is their second record this is because back then the internet wasn't 
it was a thing, but it right. wasn't a thing in my house. I didn't, I couldn't get on to whatever and listen to YouTube. I, I didn't have a computer then. Right. And I was really young. So this is second, third grade. I'm like nine and 10, which sure. is super young for like a kid to be listening to that type of shit. Oh, for but, sure. <laughs> but that's why like this shit is so normal to me. You mm-hmm. know, like I know people getting into music when they were like 16 and 17 of the heavy stuff. And I was like, I was deep. Yeah, already by then. So I'm just like, <laughs> everyone I'm else like, was yeah, listening cool. to like, like kids bop, and you're like, no, I'll, I'll stick with the corns and in those things. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was never into the radio hip hop or the radio rap or anything like that back then. You know, that was all like a completely other world to me. Sure. And I was, you know, in my own little bubble growing up. So I don't know. And I'm an only child too. I have a half sister, but she's not in the same age range. So I didn't have any older brothers and sisters. It was basically that one family friend to kind of like coach me on that stuff and like go over you know that whole world so yeah that was super cool back then and so i basically started with metal Mm -hmm. is my you know the new metal and then i would get into like you know pod lincoln park and stuff like that you know going into middle school and then i remember in sixth grade that was when i discovered slipknot yeah like that level <laughs> and then from there it was like slipknot lamb of god i would i'm into mushroom head and whatnot like that whole like shock rock stuff war all yeah. that weird crazy shit yeah and then from there i would get into i remember getting into cannibal corpse because of reading about them in magazines and stuff and like interesting you know, okay you would get like magazines like hit parader circus um can't remember if i got like decibel metal hammer stuff like that mm-hmm. and you go through and you'd see record covers and reviews and stuff like that i remember getting into in flames because of that just because okay. of the record cover yeah that, seem, like, that seems to be a, a big draw for you as far as seeing something that you know you you're just like imagining like what could this sound like that's interesting yeah mm-hmm. and and again you know not having the internet super accessible I would either have to borrow something or whatnot. I had dial up towards, you know, high school, right. beginning of high school. So it was a pain in the ass. I couldn't, I had to wait on everything. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like today where you could literally click, oh, boop, 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 and go in there and listen to whatever you want. So it was like a lot of trial and error with the long run, going to buy the CD and like, nah, I don't really like it, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I think on the other side of that, it made things that I did like way more important. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Take. So mm. yeah. Like you go and you, you buy the physical CD, you have time to like literally look at it and take it in and look at the, look at the credits, look at the lyrics, look at the thank yous and all that, all that stuff. And it's more of a big picture. That's why I feel like a lot of, you know, my generation, we have like super favorite bands that we dose deep into right off the bat hmm. like slipknot lamb of god kill switch engage all those bands are like that to me yeah where i know everything about that band because like i could look at it look it up and sure take it in yeah which no. i think is very important that unfortunately isn't isn't really a thing anymore i don't think <laughs> yeah well like even just on the um the accessibility is a huge point like any any person can be like listen to this band it's on my spotify and click it and boom it's not like oh we have to go to my house we have to sit down we have to put in the walkman 
or the cassette player yep. or whatever it is and like you know listen to it you know have the earbuds or whatever it is like yeah split your earbuds so you, so your buddies can listen <laughs> yeah real yeah. romantic shit um yeah oh but yeah <laughs> i do think it's um yeah i i find that to be a, a interesting take but i think i think you're right that you know when you're in the store and you're looking at it and you know sometimes you're like okay, I'm going to buy this CD and I know nothing about this band. It, and it could be a Slipknot and it could be something else where maybe it's like, well, I kind of go. Um, this, <laughs> I'm not trying to bring things back to Bev's all the time, but that's sometimes how I feel about when I'm at a, at a store and I see something that I've never seen before. I have to like look at you know, how it's presented, you know, like look at the not the track listing, but you know, some of the flavors and some of those things and then ultimately take a chance on it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I remember vividly going to, um, there's a Canadian, so I don't know if it actually exists anymore, but, uh, it was kind of like our, um, main place to buy anything CD related. Uh, but I would go to HMV and I would like look at stuff and, you know, sometimes would only buy something off of the little, for fans of sticker that was in the corner. I'm like, okay, yes. well, I know like two of the four bands that are listed here. I might as well give that a shot. And, um, yep. yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you see that a little bit now in our day and age with like Spotify, it's like, um, fans also like, and then you have a list of bands, but yeah, like a similar artist feature at the bottom, which is, I found bands nowadays because of that, which is super cool. Right. And for, for my band, that's, that's helpful. You know what I mean? For sure. Like if, if Orthodox pops up under a big band and they're like, oh, cool, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. That's I d- awesome. I do think on a, on a smaller band, like a newer band, I find that sometimes that can be a little diluted or misconstrued because it's all the, the homies of that band. So, you know, yeah. sometimes I look at, um, you know, what my bands, you know, for fans of, I'm like, I could see this and this, but I know this is popping up because we're like best friends with all those guys or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I've seen that before. Like, uh, I think on Orthodox, a related artist is like, I am mm-hmm. and left behind and like stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Played with those bands. That makes sense. Yep. Um, well, Mike, maybe that's a good, uh, transition, uh, just chatting about Orthodox. So, um, I had, um, I had, why am I, it's Adam. Uh, I had, Adam, yeah. yeah, I was like blanking on, on, uh, I'm like, this should be a caffeine bev, not a, a water bev, <laughs> but I had Adam on the show, uh, a number of episodes ago mm-hmm. and we were chatting about some of the ways that that band formed. Um, but you know, w- what's interesting is that, you know, that band is, you know, uh, prides itself as being, you know, from Nashville and some of those things, but you live, uh, a ways away from the rest of the, those guys in Ohio. So tell yep. me about some of the behind the scenes of how you came into the picture and, you know, how, how you've kept things up even in a long distance aspect. So, um, when I was asked to kind of go on the road with Orthodox, it was, Hey, I know of you, you know, coming from Adam, I know of you, you're straight edge, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody recommended me for you to maybe fill in on this tour coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I may, might be into that. Cause I, I heard sounds of loss and I, I liked it. You know, I was, I guess I was a fan and he asked me to do the left behind blessed by the burn tour. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was, 
uh, Us, Left Behind, and then Mercy Blow. So that was my first kind of like full tour with them to kind of get in and learn the songs, et cetera, et cetera. And that was me. And then the guitarist at the time was Taylor Stevenson, okay. which is, um, he was one of the original guitarists of Chamber. Oh, and then, okay, sure. And then Jacob Lilly was filling in on bass as well, mm. which he's the vocalist of Chamber. So it was a whole different thing back then. Adam and I are the only members from the time that I joined that are in it now. Sure. And then right after that was the Orthodox headliner tour, which was us, I am chamber and peace of mind was on it as well. Oh, okay, cool. And right before that tour, Adam was like, Hey, why don't we just, you know, you want to, you want to join? I was like, eh, fuck it. Like, cool. Yeah. That sounds good to me. This is, you know, it's always been like the music that I actually liked at the end of the day through all the other music that I was into. You know, I'm, I'm like a new metal. I'm, I'm a Slipknot guy. I'm a corn guy. So it's like that made the most sense to me out of anything. Sure. Okay. So I was like, cool. We'll join. And I'm just like, you know, I'm six hours away. It's weird. Whatever. We'll go for it. And that was the last tour before the whole lineup changed. That tour was still Jacob and I and uh, Taylor. And then it was before we did, what tour was it? The, the first Spite tour we did. Okay. Spite left behind us and then a band called Depths of Hatred. We had to scramble to get fill-ins for that tour as well. Okay. Because Taylor had left and then Jacob had left to kind of be chamber full-time, obviously. Yeah. So I, I think I recommended Austin. I can't remember. Or maybe I told Adam, like, hey, this literal kid <laughs> is interested in joining. Yeah. I think Austin told me, because he's from South Carolina. And we, we've met through another band. And he came up and was like, hey, nice shirt. Because it was a dwell shirt. Because oh, okay. he's also straight edge. Yeah. So this little little punk ass kid walks up to me at the show and it's like, dude, I like your shirt, man. And I was like, cool, man. Like, nice to meet you. And then eventually I see him at another show. He's like, hey, man, you guys ever need another guitarist? Because I was already in the He's like, let me know. I was like, okay. And I, I kept that in the back of my head. Hmm. Told Adam about it and he kind of reached out and that's how that happened. But we also needed a bassist. So I asked my buddy Shiloh, who also lives here. Oh, he, okay. Yeah, so half the members of Orthodox are from Ohio. Got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, a lot of people I, know that. Yeah, I, I thought it was just you. So I, yeah. I appreciate you clarifying some of those things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was just, it sounds like you guys knew each other. And then it was like, okay, this makes sense as far as the music and, you know, the outlook on the band being a straight edge band. Let's yeah. just go for it. Um, but, I, but I do think, you know, we're probably in the best time in uh, in technology wise where you know doing a, a a band long distance in that regard can actually really work but it still 100%. takes you know more planning more time more effort um mm -hmm. you know there's been a lot of times where you know because i i've been living in calgary for almost four years and i was trying to do one of my bands from back home in winnipeg long distance um mm -hmm. and just overall like some things kind of just fell apart. And I think it was 
half to do with that, but also half maybe just kind of being over playing that style of music. So, you know, for anyone who is listening, who maybe is like, how, how do you do a band where half the members live in one state and the others live in another? Um, tell me some of the hurdles that you guys have to go through when it comes to writing new music, getting, getting tightened up for a tour and, and some of those things. It, it, it falls a lot on like the planning aspect. You have to be, you know, the group chat's always going off about, you know, what dates are we available? Okay. Double check those dates with those requested off because like, you know, when Shiloh and I get in the car to come down there, it's like, that's a six hour drive, six hours back. It's like, and then you have to also plan when we're there, you know, to get this done in that amount of time. You know, we've always gotten together for like three or four days before a tour. So it's like plan out the set list a month before that. Mm -hmm. So you can practice, you know, practice your instrument by yourself, you know, learn these songs that maybe you haven't played in a long time or haven't played at all from, you know, whatever record. Get them down in the order, you know, make a playlist on your phone, do all that shit and get, right. some, get familiar, get the vibe down and then go down there, practice for a couple hours, get everything in order, sort through the merch that gets delivered. You know, that's always super fun. And yeah. Then, you know, a lot of bands, you know, like locally, like Bather, we don't really have to deal with that planning it's just like all right we'll we'll meet up on sunday practice do whatever if we have to tour like if we forget something oh shit turn around go back <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen here like <laughs> right you know it's it, it's definitely different for me because that's the first band i've done that with is orthodox but mm -hmm. um like a good example is writing for this next record we have to go and plan four day weekends to kind of do like okay. a group writing block uh, i will say austin has been super good about getting riffs demos because he's super good at like programming drums which is like super like that helps out a lot right yeah we don't have to wait until i'm down there to track drums or whatever he can just you know plug them in and like oh does this sound good and eh, do something different with that fill or whatever sure and then you know take that weekend because we did two weekends ago we were down there and we're going down this upcoming weekend Okay. To do it again, to kind of get ready for the next record and kind of utilize our time the best we can during all of this. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think, you know, it's probably not for every single person or musician to do that, but, you know, it is possible. Like, I, I think back to one of the early bands that I played more in, like, 2012 or so. Uh, it was funny enough, because we were in Winnipeg, and then I had three members all in different towns, all an hour outside of one another. So we would literally oh, all drive like, well, three of the guys would drive into town. We'd get together and then, you know, we're driving back because we would jam from like seven o'clock to like 10 o'clock. And then there and, you know, I go to bed because I had to work the next day, but they all have to work the next day. But they have to, you know, they're in bed by 11, 1130 or something. So, yeah, it um, it was funny because even though that was like nothing that really came to like a bigger level, it was still just so fun to, to get, get together with those guys and write that music and, uh, and just hang out. And they, all of them were so just, yeah, like I'll drive an hour, I'll drive two hours, I'll drive six hours to, to, yeah. to make that happen. Um, so no, I, I definitely think it is you know possible, but I think the, 
uh, like you said, the organization is should be at a high priority because nothing is worse than you guys driving down there and things just are like, oh shit, I forgot to demo the song or you know, oh the yeah. merch is coming next week and not this one, all those kind of things. Yeah, it's got to be by the book. It's got to be you know, especially when you're going on tour. That's like a whole nother thing. It's like if I forget something. All right, you know, sleeping bag. Okay, I got to buy it. Like, right, can't go back. Has that happened before where, you know, something you blanked on either a piece of drum gear or just personal and uh, had to make a last minute purchase or something like that? Not, not me. I'm very like, I'm very anal about stuff like that. Sure. I do a lot of overthinking about what I pack and overthinking about the van because I, I own the van. I own the trailer. I, I don't know. I obsess over stuff like that. Right. But I'll tell you, like, I swear to God, any time Trey, the bassist of Bather, has gone on tour, either doing merch for Orthodox or anything like that, he forgets his pillow. His pillow. Every t- <laughs> his pillow. Every time. His pillow or a blanket. And I swear to God, I get so mad at him. Every time. Because he's like, dude, I got to go to Walmart. I'm like, dude, no. Yeah. Like... You're so, using this rock as your pillow, like yeah, like <laughs> fuck you, you're done, dude. We're uh, uh-uh. but yeah, yeah, like n- nothing, nothing ever really bad or anything like that. But yeah, to yeah. to give him some point, um, anytime that me and my wife go camping in the summer, I always seem to forget my pillow, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm just like, bu- like bunching up this hoodie of mine and sleeping yep. that way. <laughs> hoodie pillow, man, always. I think that's what Shiloh does. He uses a hoodie pillow or he uses his backpack. He doesn't even bring. Oh, but okay. that's by choice. That's by choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, neck, like the neck pain is not to be placed on any other thing. It's, it's purely because of the, the hoodie pillow. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, no, it, it is, uh, it is cool to hear that. And, and I hope that, you know, if there are people that are either in the midst of that themselves, or they've even just thought about like, you know, jamming with their friends in another state or another country, even, um, in, right. And even just, it doesn't even need to be a serious matter. The fact that you can, you know, do like demo things onto your computer and send it and then people can do vocals. And like, I'm, I know the, the amount of different little projects that can pop up because of being able to be connected that way is, you know, is infinite ultimately. Um, it's kind of the same thing with this podcast. Like if I was only doing things in person, this, uh, this show would not be at the scale that it is now. Um, if yeah, I, the show wouldn't be happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be happening. No, exactly. I would be like, yeah. um, I guess I'll interview, uh, like, I don't know, any any person that is comfortable to be at a distance. But no, it's uh, yeah. no, it, it is funny. Um, so it sounds like um, you know, Orthodox is working on some newer material right now. But you know, Ooh. like I said earlier. Uh, Let It Take Its Course is uh, an album that was really, um, you know, the timing of the release of that obviously was unfortunate in the sense of the pandemic and everything, but I still rock that, um, you know, I listen to that on a very weekly basis, like as far as, you know, if I I need to scratch a new metal itch and, you know, me and Adam talked a lot about it, Um, you know, as far as your overall thoughts about, you know, how that, um, you know, how that was received and how things played out while not being able to, uh, play that out in a touring aspect. And, you know, cause it's, I, I think it was, uh, 
you know, an album that put you guys on to a number of uh, new listeners that might not have heard Sounds of Loss or stuff before that. I can agree with that as well. Um, yeah, the the timing was definitely like strategically going to be great when we planned it. Sure. But obviously didn't turn out that way. We didn't even finish the the tour that we were on because we were on that spike tour. Yeah. And that was a huge bummer. I think it was received immediately pretty well. And I was actually surprised at the end of this year to see how many like top 10 lists and whatnot it was on. I was like, well, that's, that's a lot better than I expected being hmm. one at the beginning of 2020 and not being able to tour on it. Cause we had two tours later in the year that obviously got canned. So that was two opportunities to not be able to play that in front of crowds that would have otherwise maybe not heard it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was it was received better than I thought. You know, I like the record. I think the songs are good. I still have fun listening to it and playing the songs, and I'm I'm proud of that record. Mm -hmm. But just the whole marketing being kind of like swept under the rug of touring and it not being on the table in front of somebody to buy that that really sucked. Right. Yeah. And and sometimes it is like, um, you know, I'm I'm sure a number of people had records that came out during the pandemic that they didn't have any opportunities to play any of those songs live but i do remember when you guys played in winnipeg there was uh maybe one or two maybe even three songs uh from that record that were unreleased at the time yeah. that eventually came out um mm -hmm. one of those specifically uh the title track let it takes it take its course and uh i remember still so vividly when i was watching you guys play that and you know the snare is rolling in i'm like okay so there's this big epic part that you guys are building to and the double ride kind of part breakdown kind of kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I am like forever sold on this band. So, you know, double ride parts are not something that you typically like hear. So, you know, right. tell, break down some of the, how that idea came to be and uh, you know, the, the execution of that. So that part, um, when that, I think when that song was originally written, I think it was Adam and Taylor Stevenson. Okay. Who kind of, I, I want to say it was Adam and Taylor who wrote that and kind of got that solidified because he sent over like, it was either a voice memo or just like a, like a phone recording. Uh, and Adam obviously plays drums. He used to play drums right. in Purgatory. He did all the drums on Sounds of Loss. So he, he sent that over. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think he played it a little differently than I play it now. I think because his ride, the bell was actually smaller. So he was like, oh, okay. not actually hitting the bell the whole time. Mm. And I have, I have like, you know, one of those mega bell rides where it's like just massive. I think it's like a 10 inch bell or an eight inch. Yeah. Bell. It's like a big lump. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a big old booby dude. It's, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. And, so one of those so like, um, those back zits that you know those videos where people are just like yeah, yeah. you have to use two hands yeah just <laughs> sorry for the visual <laughs> and yeah like w when when I got my hands on it I was like nah dude I'm playing that whole fucking thing on on that bell right so like that's always super fun to play and I always when we play it I look around the room to see like people's reaction they're always what the fuck <laughs> right yeah. And that's so, so that, that's always super fun. And I, 
I don't know. I think like little annoying parts like that are super cool. Mm. Like, you know, if anybody's got like one of the big ass Zill bells, I get juiced on it. Those are so sick. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, there's going to be some parts where it's just like ridiculous mm. bell parts. Um, yeah. Just no, breaking the stick on the bell. <laughs> yeah. The only other time that I can honestly recall where I heard a, um, a dual like uh, some kind of ride part like that that was as epic was you know this is going way back when i was like first getting into like you know metal and some of those things but seeing the behind the scenes of Avenged sevenfold doing almost easy and the rev having two rides set up like this yes. and doing yep. like like that still is like that part is still mind-blowing to hear so you know like, I don't know if you would ever actually rock two rides just to dude, do that if, part. If I had the space and I had the, the sponsor, I, I'm in, dude. Fuck yeah. it. Like, but I, I'm not carrying around two rides. There's no way. Yeah. No, it's it's one of those, like, that would be, like, aesthetically very cool. But, yeah, there's, like, just to have one placed on the left-hand side of the kit would just not work. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Is there any other, um, you know, parts off that record that um you know you you know you, you mentioned like annoying parts like is there other parts where you're just like yeah i'm really glad that we uh did a little we played things a little bit riskier and did something that isn't as conventional but it ended up paying off really well for that song um i think as a whole like as a whole song i think cut was a really interesting song to do uh mm -hmm. adam presented the idea of doing kind of like a I don't know how he worded it. I, I want to say like an arena rock, like a big singing kind of different song. And I was like, instantly, I was like, yep, I'm in. Like, yeah. Whatever it is, I'm probably in. And that one is like, it's different from anything on the album, aside from the, the outro track. But I, I really like that song. It's, it's a lot different. Uh, I think we were going to end up playing that on one of the upcoming tours, but obviously we didn't. So. Right. Yeah, cut, when, cut when tours is, happen again, that's that's coming out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, cut is definitely one of my my favorites from that. Um, maybe this is a general question that we can hit on because uh, I think you I think it's cool when you see kind of one band do a part that is again like one of those things, and then that trickles down into some other bands. So, do you have a favorite and least favorite trend in heavy music drumming right now that we can kind of talk about? Mm trend and that could um, be that could be anything from just like this one style of playing or like everyone has this symbol or this dimension of their kit we can get as nerdy or as bare bones as we want to i think i think especially with drumming there's always like this roller coaster of what's cool and what's not at certain times you know sure. when i when i started playing shows like my freshman year of high school the, the thing was like everybody wanted their rack toms to be flat <laughs> right. you, you know what i'm talking about like yeah, flat rack course. toms as low to the ground as possible their symbols were like this they would have the, like, the angle and they're just putting it on there oh okay i gotta yeah just it. like the, the most straight shit ever and i'm like dude no like one you're gonna be breaking your symbols a lot easier like that and it just looks stupid right. I, I hated that when i first started going to shows i see drummers do that i'm like no, I'm yeah. not into that. Like that, that's, that's one thing, obviously that's not now, um, like deep kick drums were a thing back then. Everybody was getting custom drum kits. Mm -hmm. 
Truth, SJC, Shine, Dark Horse. And I'm just like, oh, like everybody was into like the, the big ass, like annoying neon colors and shit. <laughs> yeah, the acrylic kits and all that. Oh, dude. And they all sounded like garbage. Nobody knew how to tune them. And it was like impossible to tune them. Right. And I, f- I fell victim to the custom kit stuff. I- I've got a Dark Horse kit. I won't, I won't slander that company too bad. But <laughs> I would, I'd never buy one of those again. That was. Yeah. I was young. I, I remember vividly though, everyone in the local scenes like, yeah, I'm saving up money to get a truth custom kit. And I, I was yep. like, like, I understand if like, um, I think it's Alex who plays drums in a day to remember. Like that makes sense for a band of his level to be playing a custom right. kit. But like you playing to 10 of your friends at a bar in Selkirk does not make sense. <laughs> and I think, I think a lot of their marketing back then for companies like that, I, I remember seeing like shine drums would like push the drummer to bring to the horizons kit at oh, the time. Okay. Yeah. It would, you know, it was ugly neon, whatever splatter color or some shit like that. And it was like, everybody back then was like that. I, I want that. Mm-hmm. And really benefited companies like that, which is, which is cool. But you know, a lot of the kits were all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Keller shells, you know, basic hardware. It, all of the companies had the same shit, just a different packaging, which I don't know. That's a bummer, but I'm I'm glad that that's kind of phasing out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely like, like I am all for you know people that you know who are entrepreneurial and they want to start their own pedal company or you know things like that. Um, and 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 I'm sure it's really hard to break into some of those markets, especially for drums, because when 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 I think of drums, naturally my mind goes to places like Tama or Pearl uh, yeah. or some of those things. So to get like to try and you know prove yourself aside from like the tried and true companies like you know that's that's challenging for sure absolutely yep yeah you got to really break yourself and you know you got to do something completely different you have to do it well and you have to live up to your name which a lot of companies don't do all three so right yeah yeah you kind of need to you know be able to produce a great product but also you know uh have a, a higher level of customer service and just like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll shout out, uh, an amp company called uh, rev up from Canada and they have, um, you know, I used to have one of those amps. Um, I, I would say I have one in spirit cause it burnt down in the jam space fire. Um, but I heard about that. I heard you talking about that one time. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you know, sorry for anyone who's an avid listener and I have to retell this story, but essentially what happened is, um, but grew up in Winnipeg and I had two amps. So I had like the rev and the orange cab. And then I had, uh, my 5150 and this Bugera cab. This was like a hundred dollar cab that I just picked up on Kijiji. Um, but essentially when I was moving, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll have one in Winnipeg for my one band. And then one in Calgary, you know, when I want to play in another band, cause in game didn't exist yet. And then just, I woke up one morning and Sean, my bass player, was like, "Yeah, uh, the jam space is in fire, on fire, and uh, yeah, that's what's going on." And so, like, and I was just someone that just left gear there, and I'm sure a number of people listening have have drum sets or get amps or even just a box of merch that they've left at a friend's house for years, and it's still there and those kind of things. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate. So. Uh, the, the point that I was trying to bring though is Rev, you know, not only makes a killer product that's 
up against, you know, PV and Mesa and some of those places, but they're really keen on like their community and the and their customers who are buying their stuff, you know, troubleshooting if there's something wrong with an update, you know, talking about how to, you know, match an amp with, you know, a style of playing or what you're getting after. So yeah, I definitely think that you need to produce a, a great product, but you also need to really give a fuck about the people who are going to give you a chance and, and grow gradually over, over time. Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's the devil's in the details with stuff like that. You really gotta, you have to give a shit to get any, to grow. For sure. And that's with anything, you know, that's with bands who don't give a shit about their fans or give a shit about the product. They just want it to be, you know, heavy or whatever. And they don't actually care. Right. It's, it's going to show like those dudes aren't going to last, you know, we, we've all met people in the scene who they just want to look cool and whatever. And, that was in the details, man. You got to give a shit. You got to like do your part. You got to, I don't know. Yeah. You got to, you know, make your impact. Um, you know, just on the topic of like, um, you know, custom things and sponsorships. Uh, I know that you're, so are you sponsored by the, the company that you own that custom kit by? Um, but I also know that you're sponsored by soul tone as well. Uh, so dark horse, I, I was endorsing them for a while and then like, like I said, I'm not going to slander them too much, but that kit's it, it doesn't hold up very well. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I just decided, fuck that. I don't care. And I bought a Tama kit. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Soul Tone, I play Zildjian now. So, oh, okay. Uh, uh, that's, I did, I, I'm not in, endorsed or sponsored or anything by Zildjian. It's just what I want to play now. I wasn't experiencing the best quality with Soul Tone. And I wasn't. I think that. Uh, we talked about that a little bit at the at the Winnipeg show. Is that you're like, yeah, Probably. like, yeah, I'm gonna be. <laughs> and and for Probably. those that don't know, like yeah. Soltone and a number of companies, drum, guitar, whatever, there are certain like sponsorship opportunities where you know you just get a discounted rate, and you know some of these things that kind of trickle down. It's not just like, hey, we saw you, like we saw your band online. Like it's it's not that as romantic as as that sounds. <laughs> No, it's it's not. And if there's any listeners out there that are like actually, you know, wanting to get endorsed by like a company like that or really get that kind of stuff, like I don't know. I, I would advise against it. I would just play, you know, play what sounds good. You don't have to have that name behind it. It's sure when I was growing up it was like, dude, I wanna have like this logo on my kick drum and I want like this name behind what I play and it's just like the band I was playing in wasn't that good, so who fucking cared? <laughs> so it's like sure. the cymbals sound good, and like like you know their stuff sounds good. Right. It, it really does, but I don't know. I'd rather just play Zildjian and, and know exactly what I'm getting myself into. The quality control with that company is like, is a lot better. The same with Sabian, Peisty, Minol, mm-hmm. you know all the all the big names. But I don't know. And I like going to like music go around and buying like used cymbals and shit like that. So it's like. Right. I, I wasn't allowed to do that. I wasn't allowed to play Zildjian cymbals live. I wasn't allowed to play like a Pisces cymbal live if I was under the Sultan name. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, fuck that. Like, I don't, I don't vibe with that. I ended up cracking so many cymbals of theirs on tour. And it's like, dude, I just, I want to play what I want. So right. I choose Zildjian, but I'll, I'll play, you know, whatever sounds good. Yeah. Uh, maybe this can be a fun question. Um, if, you know, rub, rub, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> 
uh, upcoming ginger ale and a genie pops out and he's like, I can grant you one drum sponsorship from any company, whether that's something shell related, um, symbols, sticks, you know, anything in between. What is the thing that you're like, uh, uh, like, this is the thing that I want for life. Uh, it, whatever it would be, it would be a symbol company for sure. For sure. Whether it be, you know, Zildjian, Pisces, Sabian. I'm going with symbols because that shit is expensive and they will always break. Right. 100%. Yeah. Your crash symbol is going to break. Your China is going to break, period. Like, I, I don't care what drummer you are. If you play heavy music, you're going to crack that shit. So it's like, <laughs> I, I, I want that sponsorship if I can get it for free or a major discount. I'm kind of curious if Zildjian or Sabian or any of those companies have someone like, I, I doubt this, but it would be interesting if they have an analytics department looking at, you know, symbol warranties, like what, you know, uh, what's the average point for uh, a certain symbol to break? Because I'm sure that they're making certain symbols that kind of cater more to yeah. maybe a heavier music audience, but it would just be interesting of like, you know, just learning some of the stats behind just people breaking uh, metal, essentially. Yeah, they have to. I mean, I, I don't know the actual, like, you know, you know what would go into that, but it's like, you know, because if you call into, like, Zildjian and you're like, hey, I need a symbol, like, what can you recommend me? They're like, boop, 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 this. Right. And that's, you know, I'm not going to play, like, a jazz symbol because I'm going to, one, it'll sound weird, and then it's just going to shred. Right. You know, but, you know, that is very interesting, though. I've actually I've never really thought about that, but yeah. it's got got to happen yeah you know, somebody's got to be out there doing that math yeah i'm not anyone from zildjian listening who's doing that please let it be known uh you know send a google doc link if if you have that for public access yeah the zildjian <laughs> crash tester yeah um, crash test dummy what's what's your what's your take on the kids drum sets that you would see at like walmart and it's like the two toms and the symbol right in the middle that sounds like you're like king like pinging a can against the fucking side. sick dude they're great <laughs> yeah i guess i guess it, at that point it's it's more about just you know seeing if a kid wants to hit things like seriously oh yeah in some of their points yeah it's not point to sound good <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's like it, it is it are they gonna have fun with it right and i never had that when i was growing up you know my parents didn't buy me a drum set it was like my dad's drum set was always in the living room or always in the basement, whichever house we lived at. And it was there. Mm. And he passed away when I was pretty young. So like when, when it was time for me to like make a decision on what I wanted to do, like musically, it was weird. Cause that was always there, but I never, it wasn't mine. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. It was very, in my head, I was like, oh, I can't play that. Like, that's just weird to me. Sure. So I was like, I'm going to play guitar. Cause that's cool. Like, like Jim Root looks sick when he's playing the guitar, so I'm, I'm right. gonna learn. And ah, that, that didn't work out. That, <laughs> I, I was terrible. Hmm. And then I started to learn, but you know, I learned on my dad's Gretsch kit, and it was like that was super cool. And I got my first kit when I was like eighth grade or a freshman, okay. and I bought the biggest kit that I could. My mom was like, "All right, let's go get you one." And it was like this nine-piece Tama Rockstar. <laughs> You, you talk about you talk about the rev like that's like the yeah, double that's, kick four rack tom two floor tom like that was it it was it was beast yeah but 
that that was a cool kit. If I ever come across that kit again, I'll I'll probably buy it. Do you have like a like a unsaid rule rule for yourself of like I won't have more than X number of toms because like I I don't I don't think I've it's been very it's very common just to see a four a four piece and sometimes yeah. it's interesting it's like oh this band has a five piece they have two high toms that's that's interesting but you know I I think things start to go in a weirder direction when it's like what is this rack of different things. <laughs> at this oh, you dude, know small like, DIY hardcore show or whatever it is. If all right, so like if it's like a hardcore band, don't play it bigger than a five piece. You don't need to. Right. There's there's no reason. Like I know <laughs> like older like hardcore bands, like New York hardcore bands that'd be playing either four or five piece with two rack toms or whatnot. But mm-hmm. I I would always like go see shows at this venue here called the Al Rosa Villa and it was it's like a thing here where we'd be like, oh, that band's an Al Rosa band. Oh, okay. We all know what that means. It's like a, a bad local band that has a too big a fucking drum set <laughs> and doesn't know how to play their instrument. And it's always just like bar metal type shit. You know, you'd see them opening from Mushroom Head and shit like that. But mm-hmm. you got no business playing that big a kit because you only use a hi-hat to crash. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I was that as a kid, but I grew out of that fast. I'm like, one, I'm not hauling this shit. Two, I don't use all this shit, and it's like, I don't know. You just don't need it sometimes, but if I was in a death metal band that, you know, went 900 miles an hour like cattle decapitation, I'd, I'd fuck around and have a bunch of rat toms. Yeah, I, I, think, cause. I think those kind of things are granted, even if those, you know, smaller local shows um, are at bars or things like that. Like, yeah, if, if the music is calling for that, kind of crazy aspect um mm-hmm. do you know of a band from here called wake yeah yeah that band's sick yeah so joshua um or josh i'm not sure which he goes by but josh i think he plays a six so he's got you know two i don't know i think he just has one four tom but you know like that like talk about someone who's actually utilizing all aspects of the kit like he'll do blast beats and then he'll do um we talked about this i did like a little behind the scenes um thing for their latest release where he'll do like tom blasts so he'll be like blasting on the snare and then kind of move it over to different toms so and to see him do that um you know in the flesh it's like oh okay that makes sense you need you know four five six uh toms but if you're just playing right. like you know butt rock like like you don't need like right yeah anything like if the, more if the dynamics call for it like that that's sick mm-hmm. yeah definitely. that record they put out that, that was last year wasn't it uh that yeah confluence thing. yes yeah yeah it was that, cool yeah it was uh you know like they put out um uh why am i blanking on the name they put out that record in um march and then they did confluence just like around the summertime as like a little covid like uh, mini okay. LP project, but yeah. Was that like, like a, like a B sides maybe or something like that? Or was it completely new? Material? It was all, it was all new material. So I'll, I'll plug cool. them. Um, but yeah, we did, uh, a little behind the scenes, you know, video documentary of when they were recording it in the studio here in Calgary. And just like, yeah, it was all new material that they had written off the fact that they couldn't go and, and pr- oh, devouring ruin was the main album that came out in March. And then all those new songs came um, just in the process of like, well, we can't go on tour. Let's just write some new stuff. Um, so, and I know that there is something, I don't know by the time of when, oh, I think it's, 
Well, it's already announced, and maybe I can plug it here on the show. I think that's fine. I'm not going to get in trouble for that. But um, they're oh. on a uh, Decibels 20-year uh, live stream series, um, if, if you saw that. But it's like Full of Hell is on that, and there's a number of other bands. Um, but we did a pre-recorded live set that will be premiering, uh, I think it's like around April. Um, so yeah, we got together and did that and they played two songs off Devouring and then one off of Confluence. So to see him do his like Tom Blass is like very, very cool. And I hope like you were bringing up with, uh, let it take its course. Like I'm sure there's, there's going to be people at shows who would see that when he does those parts and just like blown away. Like what? You can do that with your hands. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool to see drummers think like that too. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we've chatted a lot about, drums um i think i think it would be uh you know very naive to not bring up the fact that you know people and not even just hardcore but just heavy music on a you know shows aren't happening right now and and probably you might have some relief because of this but um it's i think anyone who's been a drummer has probably faced those people at a show that have been like Hey man, uh, is there any way that I could borrow, you know, your kit tonight? I just couldn't get it into my truck or whatever it is. Um, so a, what's your, what's your take on loaning gear, uh, especially on a, you know, drumming aspect, uh, what's, you know, the proper etiquette. And then are there any like horror stories, uh, from either playing shows, uh, on the road or just even the local scene where things have, you know, gone sideways and you're just like, how, how have you not given more of a shit about what you're doing? Uh, so I don't know what, one of the etiquettes is like, I don't ever really like ask to borrow symbols. Mm-hmm. I would never, I would never do that. Um, I don't like when people ask me for my symbols. If, if somebody asked me for like my snare, like I, I don't really care. It depends on the shells though. Like I don't, um, I bought one of those new Tama SLP, big black steel kits so it's like matte black and it, it scratches pretty easily and i know like on tour that shit will happen but like on my own accord like that's that's my bad if i do that i don't right. like it to be anybody else's um i'm pretty anal about my snare like i don't like people like like taking it off stage or anything like that because um i was at this is funny i was filling in for that band church tongue if yeah. you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we were playing a show in Greensboro, North Carolina, and their vocalist, Mike, he, like, accidentally knocked my snare over. Oh, okay. Like, it fucked it up. It's it's a it's a brass snare, so it, like, caved in the side of it. And I had to, I had to hammer it out, like, take all, all the hardware off and, like, hammer it out with a, with a rubber mallet. Oh, so that's just like one thing like it shows it's like you just really have to be careful with other people's shit mm-hmm. if i'm playing a local show on a lot of occasions i'll be like hey i'm bringing my my kit if i'm playing one set or two sets or whatever that night i'll be like let me just backline the drums yeah i've got like a five-piece pork pie kit that i use it sounds good and it's like i don't know it's like my beater set i don't really care who plays on it it always sounds good it's it's just like a universal set, um, but no no real like horror stories. I played I played a show one time and my friend was backlining his kit and I use wood beaters. So if you use wood beaters on uh, like a like a 
plastic pad on the kick drum and it like wears it away to the sticky side, right. it will stick to it. Or oh. it a lot of people will cover up like, like a crackhead with duct tape. But once you wear away that duct tape, if you've got a felt beater, it won't stick to it, but a, a wood beater will. Okay. Like it gotcha. literally heats it up and like sticks to it. That happened at a show. And I was like, dude, I can't fucking play this. <laughs> it was it was for my band Natural Selection. And it's kind of like a like a death metal-ish kind of band. So I'm like playing pretty quick and I couldn't it would just kept sticking. So I had to like move the kit off stage and go like five minutes down the road to our practice base, get my drums and come back. Oh, I was just like <laughs> I was like, dude, I cannot do this. Like right. we were playing a show, it was like with rock bottom and this band from here called empire brats mm-hmm. and i was like super stoked for the show but i was like fuck dude are you kidding me <laughs> but that was like that was like the only thing like i felt bad for my friend who was like dude i'm so sorry i had no idea but mm-hmm. that's just one of the things that i've had happen but yeah no symbols and like you're not using my good kid right yeah and and i yeah. think it, it should go without saying like if you are trying to you know do any band of any scale, like you should give a fuck about your gear package. And, you know, obviously things are going to happen where it, it, like, obviously there's going to be times where it's like, we, there's five bands playing this tiny little pizzeria. Maybe there should only be two cabs that are brought to the show. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, because and, it, and work it is, that out ahead of time. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, you know, like I I've been on those threads where, you know, people are like, okay, who can bring the fridge cab or who, uh, you know, Oh, we don't have one. You know, what are the options? I remember, um, there was a show here in Calgary that a snowstorm hit the day of, uh, when judiciary was supposed to play here. And, um, one of the bands had canceled and then they were going to bring the bass cab. So then like other people who were just going to like, they weren't even going to the show, I think, but they got hit up like, Hey, I know you have an eight ten. like, can you bring it down to this community center in like 20 minutes? And so, you know, people are driving in the middle of a, of a snowstorm to a show that they weren't even going to go to, but just to bring some, some gear. So obviously yeah. shit, are go- shit is going to happen. And, you know, I think hardcore overall is pretty good at like troubleshooting s- some of those things to, to make the show, you know, still happen. But, you yeah. know, if if you if you care about, you know, gear to any degree, you should just own your own shit and not have to rely on other people. Because there's been too many times where I've literally been unplugging my guitar from a set and someone's like, yo, uh, we're playing a surprise set. Uh, can I borrow your guitar, your guitar pick, p- patch cord, amp, everything? I'm like, uh, sure. Like, I guess. Like, it's and, not even... And it's- <laughs> Yeah, it's those situations where it's just like, motherfucker, really? Right now? <laughs> yeah, you right. You couldn't have told me like before the show? Yeah. Like, I, I could have at least like prepared, maybe right. changed the strings out or whatever. Like, don't do that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I've had people ask me right after the set, yo, man, good set. Can I borrow <laughs> a cymbal stand or whatever? And I'm like, I'm like, fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. take this cymbal stand. Um, but it's just like, you should have asked me at loaded. Right. When yeah. you're setting your shit up, you're like, oh, dude, I totally forgot my boom stand or I forgot my kick pedal or whatever. Like, find somebody. Don't do that shit when you're going on stage. Unless, like, something literally broke in your hands on the way up. Right. Yeah. People are goofy, man. What's the What's the one thing in your drum arsenal? You know, you said you're pretty good at, like, making sure all the, you know, T's are crossed and I's are dotted. But is there something that you seem to 
always like, where is this again? Or did I bring this or something, you know, is, uh, disappears from you unexpectedly? Um, if I'm going to like practice and stuff, I'll always fuck up and forget my hi-hat clutch. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like just that little piece that goes on the hi-hat bar, it's like, I always seem to like misplace that or forget that or like one symbol stand. Cause I'll have different parts and pieces in different places right. um but i've never like had something get away from me or whatnot because i always have like all my shit in cases and whatnot mm-hmm. I, I keep this uh i keep this carhartt tool bag with me and i keep parts and pieces and extra parts like if somebody leaves like some little piece of something on the stage that i can use maybe later i grab it and, right like, <laughs> if, if nobody claims it like that's mine and i'm yeah. putting it in my toolbox and that's that's always helped me. I've always like gone in there to grab like one random piece of something or like a tool that I've got in there. Mm. So like that's always helped me, you know, in the past. Yeah. With troubleshooting and shit, but yeah, I've I, I've heard of drummers like forgetting their like throne a lot. <laughs> yep. It's like that's the one piece. Like you have to sit down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you cannot like, it's not like, Oh, I forgot my second crash. I guess I'm just not using that at the show. It's like, you know, right. you need to sit down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Nothing is worse than watching a drummer try to play drums on like a, a normie stool or anything like that. Like it just, it, it looks like the worst time in the world. Oh dude. Kitchen chair or something <laughs> like that. I, I've had to do that like once or twice, or, yeah. you know, just whatever show. And it's just like, I'm never doing that again. So I, I make I make sure my throne fits in my hardware case. It's like I'm not I'm not fucking forgetting that. Right. Yeah. I think I I I wanted to ask that question because I think I saw some meme where it's like, um, just either like drum keys always go missing or like people like are like, hey, can I borrow this? And then they never return it or something like that. That's that's one thing. Drum yeah. keys. <laughs> everybody always asks somebody for it, and I, I'm guilty of it too. Where I'm just like, why don't I have that? <laughs> I've got one on my keychain and right. then I've, i always try to keep uh i know tama like puts a stock drum key on their like on their pedals oh, which is okay. cool it's got like a little got oh, like a yes. little like, i have seen those little, yeah, yeah 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 it's just like a little thing you put in there and it's it's got like a multi-tool thing for like whatever you need to tighten on the pedal hmm. and i always try to make sure that i put that back in my pedal when i'm done playing because mm-hmm. i'll keep it i'll keep all my keys like one drum key on my snare or my floor tom if I need to tune right during the set, a lot of drummers do that, but that that's one thing that most drummers forget. It's just a drum key sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should just get a chain with that around their neck or on their keychain yep. or, or whatever it is. Um, right. Uh, I, I'm curious on your take on this as well. Cause you know, I think that there's maybe a trend on, you know, someone who's a vocalist or a guitar player and they're in multiple bands where it's like, Oh, like, you know, is that the, not the best thing, but like, um, it, is there going to be a, a situation where that person's writing lyrics, but then they're going to favor one band or the other? Um, same thing with guitar parts. Like if someone's playing in like two hardcore bands, like it's like, oh, like who's, and they're both maybe the main songwriter. It's like, you could write something. It's like, mm, which band am I going to do this? But when it comes to drums, I can't really like, and, and just correct me if, if, uh, if I'm, out to lunch or something, but it's one of those things where it's not as uh, detrimental on like the songwriting aspect. What's your take on that? Yeah. Like uh, I know that I'm obviously in like 
a few bands. Mm-hmm. It's not to say it's the same shit across the board, but it's very like, you know, I do change my style depending on what band, but it's like, uh, it's not like you said, one vote, you know, a guy does vocals for a hardcore band and he does guitar. Like, with, you know, he kind of goes, he favors one or the other, Sure, yeah. but it's like, I have to play, you know, just as interesting and, and hard for bather as I do orthodox or, you know, whatever project I'm working on, but it's like, sure. yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same shit across the board, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, all I have to worry about is drums. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we'll, we'll definitely chat about bather, but like, I, I do see, you know, those bands are similar in the sense of, you know, being heavy and some of those things, but you can definitely see the differences on like, you know, there are certain parts that definitely work on orthodox stuff that probably would never come in a bather um, environment and vice versa as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to blast beat like, like I do for bather for orthodox. I'm not going to play like, <laughs> right. like a, a weird, like, you know, bell breakdown for bather. It's like, right. it's just not going to happen. Right. So um, tell me about bather. Um, Cause that's like the local project that's in your circle that you're not yeah. driving six hours to, um, you know, you guys put out a, a new EP uh, just kind of at the end of last year, Phantom Guilt. Um, yeah, just tell me about how th- how that band started. W- was that going on before you joined up with Orthodox? That so that band actually was a different band before that. It was a band called Forest Wars. Oh, okay. And uh, based out of a town called Chillicothe, Ohio, which is about an hour south of where I'm at. Okay. And they hit me up, and I think fall of 2016 to to fill in for force wars uh their old drummer his name is jesse he actually owns a record shop down there called apollo records where we okay where we practice so uh jesse was focusing on apollo and he's in another band called from another planet and he i think he does some cover stuff and whatnot so he just couldn't couldn't tour and whatnot so i started filling in and i did like a few short weekend runs or you know stuff with them and then we started writing new music once they asked me to join. And we, we had six songs, I think, done, and then we wanted to change the name. So then we just kind of toyed around with some names, and Josh actually came up with the name of Bather. And that, that's how that band started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when we launched Bather, we literally like posted a picture of Forest Wars and said goodbye. And that was it. Like, we, like it, that, that was it. We posted a fit of Bodhi, uh, a photo of our last show which i think we actually played some bather songs at okay posted a photo from that show and said goodbye and didn't say a word after it that's and then so we, funny and then when we launched bather we we shot a video for a song called all dark rooms and then you know we we released everything all at the same time hmm. i think we we did like a like a pre like here's the logo here's the band page did like a quick, you know, one second clip or whatever. Like it might have been like a, like a gif or something. Sure. Yeah. Video came out like a month later. Yeah. So video song on Spotify. Here's this. This is the new thing. Like, yeah. I I love that. Just like goodbye. Like it's almost like, yeah, a, it was, like a computer shutting down and you have no uh, idea of like, wait, what? Yeah. What's happening? What, but then obviously what happened? Yeah. <laughs> The new All thing. of our friends were like, wait a minute, you were just in the studio. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, yeah, for um for the next thing. But uh 
Yo, that's cool. Um, I definitely really like the uh, the artwork. Uh, that seems to be a, a re recurring aspect of um, when you guys were initially uh, putting out stuff. Is that um, is that uh, like talk to me about the direction of that and you know um, how important that was for I guess the the new aspect of for of that for, release. for um, the first EP or the the most recent one for for the most recent one for Phantom Go. Okay, so so the art direction for that. Um is what I, you're asking, correct? Yeah, it's like the red-ish, like, for, not forest, but like kind of like a field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, um, let me pull it up because I don't want to botch where he's from. <laughs> you're Give fine. me a second. So that is an artist. Um, he, I can't remember what part of Canada he's from, but his name is Sean J. Mundy. Oh. If you, okay. His name is Sean Mundy. And I... I can't remember like what I saw of his, but it, it might've been on like Instagram Explorer or like somebody shared his image on, uh, on their story. And I was like, Whoa, that that's cool. And I started digging mm -hmm. and he had that image created previously. And I just kept, I kept thinking about it. We kept toying and toying around art ideas. Our, uh, our vocalist is a photographer. Oh, okay. And he, he did a lot of, a lot of video work along with his brother. Um, he was shooting some stuff and we were just like, ah, I don't vibe with that. And I had that image in the back of my head and I was like, should I say something? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like just kind of say, Hey, this is what we should do. And nobody agree with me, you know, just not right. worried about that. And I was like, all right, fuck it. And I just was like, look at this image. I want to do this. What do you guys think? And everybody was like, dude, that's fucking sick. Mm. So I hit up Sean. I was like, Hey, like, has anybody used this? Like, do you do stuff like this? I, I don't even know if you do commission work or if people can actually purchase your pre-existing stuff. Yeah. Do you... And he was like, yo, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> so he, you know, we, we purchased the image rights from him for that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was super satisfied because the music at the time was already done and then we were doing the art. So it was like, it just looked so depressing and different and just like kind of the whole vibe we were going for. So I'm yeah. like, dude, that's it. We're, we're going for it. Like, fuck it. it. It turned out really good. And I was super proud of that. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's cool a to hear that, um, that it was a, a Canadian, uh, you know, artist that, uh, you guys reached out to, but it was also interesting to hear on how, um, you know, you guys had finished the music and then went into the art direction. It wasn't kind of like in, in the midst of that or happening at the same time. And then things change and there's segregation um but yeah that is interesting on uh yeah sometimes you see those images and uh they just stick with you and then eventually they they come to fruition um yeah something about that image was just like man that's that's creepy looking that's weird and i just kept thinking about it and i was like dude i want that thing like i <laughs> like even if it doesn't get for the album like i was gonna hit him up for a print and just get it and right it and whatnot but now we've got flags for it that's that's pretty cool was um massive image like that was it one of those things where you messaged him and you're like uh i don't know if you like metal or heavy music like was there any of that or did you know that he he had a little bit of an understanding when it came to that style I, of music I, I think he was into heavier music okay um, like i think i i remembered that from seeing like something he posted or whatnot and sure. i was like oh okay like he, maybe he's into it and like his artwork was dark enough that i was like there's no way he's not into that definitely stuff. okay so yeah <laughs> i only bring it up because um you know we have uh i think it, it'll probably be out by the time this episode comes out but um endgame my band 
we have, uh, I wanted to do a, um, a sweatsuit design that had like kind of a 70s-esque, like bubbly looking artwork. And I wanted to say like Endgame, like have a version of that. And then the other one to say Bad Bitches Only, because that's kind of like our band slogan. Um, yeah. So I was scouring the internet, just looking for something where I could like just type in the words and it will like produce it. And okay. I came across this website that uh, it was like one of those like pre-made designs that, you know, you could buy or you can message the artist and work with them. And it was exactly what I was looking for as, as far as the style and the artistic direction, but it said um, positive vibes only. And I think that's what triggered it. It was like, this is so close. We just need to change a couple words. Right. So I jumped on that website and I messaged the designer and I was looking at some of her, I, and, and I might've told this story on the podcast before, but I was looking at some of her other artwork and she, you know, did a bunch of like really basic stock stuff for like weddings or like kind of like your live, laugh, love kind of shit. Um, oh yeah. Cookie cutter, like, yeah. like ho home decor type shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, dude. uh, inspire daily or whatever it is. Oh um, yeah. I know the type. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, uh, yeah, I messaged this girl and I was like, hey, um, I, 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 I'm interested in this design. I just want to change two of the words. Um, are, would you be open to that? And she responded a couple of days later. Yeah, like what are the words you wanted to change it to? And I was like, okay, this is the message where I never hear back from this girl again. Yeah, this is the one, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, can you change positive vibes to bad bitches and I was like, I'm going to send this and never hear from this person again. One she, of those ones where you just hit the button and you're like, oh, yep, here it goes. goes. Yeah, here it goes. And yep. and she was like, um, and I think I was trying to like rationalize it to her. I was like, it's for my band. Like, it's kind of our thing. Like, I'm sorry if that's a little weird. And she was like, uh, yeah, we can try that. <laughs> we can try that yeah <laughs> she then, was uncomfortable she's like uh that's weird i don't i don't know anything about this world like yeah. i don't know what he's doing but sure <laughs> yeah i think i have it um i'm curious if if i send it to you on instagram can you react to it here on the podcast here we're just yes we're making things very meta here um <laughs> it's just one of those things and the Note this, these won't be the final colors per se, but this, the design uh, is kind of there. I have to, what the fuck is the file name? My desktop is so, so uh, messy right now. So bear with me as we're going through. Okay, here we go. It's going to send through. You've seen it. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. See, I like the I like the bottom right. Just like the the contrast of colors. Yes. Yeah. We're we're doing things a lot more simply. I think it's gonna be like purple and white text, but it's gonna be something that okay. we're gonna use yeah. on an ongoing basis for, for merch because So like purple and white, like the like the circle one on the left, the bottom left. Yes, yeah. Kind of so, similar to that. Yeah, so I think it's gonna be on like a heather gray like hoodie and then just purple uh and white. That's sick. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. That's awesome. <laughs> but again, it was just one of those things where I'm like, there is no, like, and, and it was just crazy because I went and looked and like, this is a, a designer in like Russia. And I'm just like this weird dude in Canada messaging her being yep. like, can you change your really positive, like, you know, graphic to say bad bitches? 
yeah like i know you're going for this like really uplifting thing but yeah. like can you do this and she she probably was like okay i i get it like yeah like yours is still like positive and like <laughs> bad sure. bitches only dude yeah hell yeah 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 straight up but yeah i think I think design and like art and some of those things just have really interesting backstory. So it it is cool how you saw something, you know, just even through Instagram and it just stuck with you and that became the artwork of one of your bands' projects. That's very cool. Yeah. Um as far as like uh how how do you think that um, you know, with was the, you know, the writing and the releasing of that music a little bit more like we know it's going to be released during a pandemic versus like Orthodox was like, we're going to be able to do all this stuff and then not being able to do that. Um, yeah. Talk to me about just like the mindset for that uh, and the differences between the two. So um, from what I remember, we, we recorded in Chicago. We, we recorded with uh, Andy Nelson at Bricktop. He's done so many hardcore records, you know, Jesus peace. He did a bunch of harm's way records. He right. did our first EP. And we wrapped up tracking with him, I want to say January of 2020. Oh, okay. So the record was done. And uh, unlike the Orthodox record, that was done mid-2019. So like, we had no idea when we were tracking what was about to happen when we released it. But we get the tracks done. I started getting masters back and listening through on the Spike Tour of the Bader stuff. Sure. So like we were listening and I, and then like Trey and I, Trey does merch for Orthodox. Mm-hmm. So he plays bass for Vader. So we're like talking about this shit and we're like, oh fuck, at the end of that tour, it was like, we're not gonna be able to put this out. Mm-hmm. And then that was just like, you know what? Well, I actually, I think it was a waiting game. We were just going to wait it out. Right. And then I was like, that's not happening. So we just, we just pull, pulled the trigger and, you know, we had to get CDs and stuff pressed for, for it. So it was like, you know, we had to do the, the whole pre-order thing. And then it was just like, you know what? We're just going to do it in December. Like, we'll get it out. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm sure we'll tour in 2021 right off the bat. And obviously that didn't happen either. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it was a little different. But um, Bather's a smaller band anyway. So it wasn't as, as bad. Smaller band, smaller release, you know, physically. It's only sure. four songs. So it was like, that, that's not really too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I wish we could have played those songs in front of people. Yeah. Still haven't played them. Yeah. So, yeah, I am really curious on just like my optimistic hope is that people, you know, won't feel like, okay, well, here's the song that like we put out during the pandemic that, but we also have this new album that we're also on tour promoting at the same time. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's, there's going to be that, but I hope that people are just, just having the break from shows like resets and like rejuvenates a lot of just like, you know, sh- like hardcore fatigue for lack of a better term, as far as like not, not appreciating like the ridiculously cool thing that is, you know, like going to a live event of any kind. Um, so, you know, whether it's like we wrote this song a month ago or 10 years ago that people will go off hard for every, every one of those songs. That's the hope at least yeah. for me. So that's what I'm hoping for, dude. Like, you know, I was talking to the guys at, one of the last practices we had and I was like, dude, whatever show that we play, you know, as our first show back, like I want to play first. (laughs) I want to fight for slot one, like for real. Like I want to be the first band to play that show back. 
like mm. fuck them like i'll be so juiced to like you know hit that four count as the first show back and i want to be the first band on that show hmm. yeah that's that's one thing i'm like gunning for i think that would be so fucking cool yeah i never thought of it that way of like because most of the time it's like oh uh, we want to play like in the middle of the show because yep. like people are just starting to warm up or you know because some people don't like playing last because you're just waiting around and then like people are tired or they're going home or whatever but yep. no i i never thought about being like no i want to play first for the first yep. show get back. it over with dude <laughs> yeah yeah get, get it out like I'll, I'll be so juiced like once that show gets gets asked to us and we're allowed to i'm gonna tell them like we'll play but we're playing first yeah like period <laughs> like i'm I, I do think the um, the crazy adrenaline that will hit everyone when like that guitar like rings in for the very first time in that local dude the, the jitters man oh dude I man it's 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 one of those fantasies that I constantly think about and I know will eventually come come to play but mm-hmm. it's uh it's gonna be uh again I just hope that it's just like a like a you know, turning the N64 off and blowing into the game and putting it back and having yep. it start just brand new. So, yeah, dude, it's it's going to be sick, man. Everybody gets those pre-show jitters, pre-set jitters. Mm-hmm. That's going to be like, you're going to see people like shaking in the crowd. Like They're going to be like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like people are going to be like, no, nah, I'm not moshing anymore. And then like that ring out's going to happen for whatever band. And they're going to be like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're going to have no, no control over their bodies. They're just going to beat their own ass. Like it's right. going to be sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I do think that there is going to be a period of like, I think it's wishful thinking to think that it's only going to be that heightened, like show attendance and activity for like forever. Eventually things will be like, you know, things will normal out and people will eventually be like, yeah, I, I am a dad or I am, you know, I do have a crazy job that I shouldn't be staying up till 2 a.m. to, to go to the show and, yeah. and things will, will kind of slide back down. But I do think this is a clear indication of like, don't take hardcore or just live music in general for granted because, you know, it, it got taken away from us for almost two years. So, yep. You don't, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And that's like, that's the most true thing that like has ever been spoken. Like you don't know yeah what, what you're going to be like when you can't, you know, like me, when I can't play a show or I can't tour, or I can't like focus my mind on what comes natural to me. Right. It just changes you as a person. Yeah. And um, I feel like we can kind of start to wrap up the show here, Mike. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought up, you know, people coming out of the mosh retirement, uh, you know, when shows come back. So the segue, as you know, is a favorite mosh moment or story that you would like to share. Uh, I know that you're an avid listener of the show, so I don't know how Absolutely. how prepped you are, and, and if you got a couple in the chamber that you want to fire off here before we wrap up. Yeah, I've I've kind of tossed it around. Uh, <laughs> I know there's there's this one story um, when I was younger, and I, w- I would mosh a lot. It was at a venue here called Scully's. Okay. And I want to say it was Impending Doom that was playing. Okay. That that's the band that comes to mind. My old band played with them, and I was moshing. And you know, you have those outsiders that are there for like you know the metal band. They're there for impending doom, the metal band. Right. Like there. And I'm like, dude, fuck that. Like they're gonna play, they're gonna play more than Conquerors, and I'm I'm moshing. Right. And he, you know, he did the classic thing of like, 
you know, push him, like go to kick him or whatever. And he did that to me a couple of times. And I think I noticed out of the corner of my eye that he was going to do it again. And when I mosh, I mosh with my glasses off. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I literally can't see anything. Oh, you got, you got the, the poor hand dealt to you on the vision side. Oh dude, it's, it's bad. Like my vision is like right there. Oh really? So damn. Okay. Oh yeah. It's terrible. So like when I, when I was moshing and he went to do that, I was like, I, I had had it. I said, fuck it. And I just, you know, swung my arm back super hard to just get him away from me. <laughs> the set ends and the dude walks up to me. He goes, he's pissed. Right. Holding his face. And he's like, motherfucker, you knocked all my teeth out. I knocked like the whole bottom row of his teeth out. Get Whoa. What? He was drunk, dude. I knocked like five or six of his teeth out down there with one swing with my four. And I, it like cut my arm up as I hit him in the teeth. And this other dude comes up to me (laughs) after the dude explained it to me. And the dude goes, don't worry about him. He's a fucking meth head. (laughs) Oh my God. I swear to God, I, I knocked this dude's teeth out, but it was because he had, he had meth mouth. Like he, wow. his teeth were like okay. fucked up. Like dude, the dude was like a super outsider. Like he yeah. was like, he told me that I was like, oh yeah, that motherfucker definitely does math. <laughs> and I accidentally knocked his teeth out. And that, that story to this day is like pretty funny to me. Like I felt bad at the time. And then he told me that I was like, well, I mean like you shouldn't have been fucking with people. Like fucking with people math. or fucking with men. And then don't fuck with people. Like that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. If there's any anyway. lesson to be learned is don't do meth. And if you are doing meth, don't fuck with people in the pit because you yeah. could lose one to five teeth. Yeah. And like, I, I've never knocked anybody's teeth out. You know, I'm, I'm not like a, a fighter or anything like that. It's no, that like, is what is so surprising is that like you, yeah. a were mosh, like, not that I think, I think everyone has done some point of moshing in their life and whether yeah. they do that actively or not now is, is, is one thing, but to hear you, knocked someone's teeth out is like that's crazy by complete accident i was like oh shit like and he was in there like looking for his teeth and shit and i'm like dude i'm so sorry if i if i see him i'll let you know like (laughs) i was like dude i'm not and he was like drunk as piss just being annoying afterwards and i'm just like dude buddy i'm sorry he's like let me get you one back and he's like punching me in the arm and shit and i'm like all right we're done like cool so he, he, he was kinda, he was almost like trying to joke around with it? Kind of, yeah. That's so weird. If someone... Yeah, and that... Oh, yeah. man. Meth's a crazy <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't, I don't mosh too much anymore, but like, um, I've got a pretty bad back. I'm tall, so I, I have back problems. Mm-hmm. And another funny story was like, I went to go see... Uh, what was the tour package? It was Gideon... Polaris, yeah, Chamber and Varials. You know what package I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm f- I'm familiar with that. So I went to go see Chamber, yeah. and this was like maybe a year and a half to two years ago. Okay, and I'm moshing, and I literally threw my back out so bad I had to go lay down out front of the venue, <laughs> and like oh the dudes in Varials are walking up to me. They're like, "Hey, buddy, like good to see you," and I'm just like. <laughs> just laying flat on my back and it's like i don't think i've moshed since maybe 
I think I launched like on a on a recent tour we did like one time. But it's like, right. dude, I just I don't got the endurance for it anymore. Like maybe when COVID like stops, I'll mosh, but like, you know, I either hurt myself or I hurt somebody else with my mosh. So I'm done. <laughs> either so I'm throw your back at least you balance the scales of with the two stories of like knocking right, yeah, someone's like, teeth out and throwing your back out yourself that that was definitely karma coming to collect on that one it's like all right you, you knocked that meth head's teeth out six years ago here you go motherfucker yeah no so. i i think i think moshing is uh is a young man's game but i think sometimes the the mosh calls at um at times you least expect it. And then you're like, I did not wear the right shoes for two-stepping, but here oh, we yeah. go. <laughs> and definitely when, when you see the old guys that never mosh go to mosh, fucking move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those dudes are going out there with a purpose. And like, if I see an old dude mosh and I'm like, okay, I'm staying away. Like that dude's swinging for the fences. <laughs> so it's like, they're there for, they're down for business, dude. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Yeah, I think I think both of those stories are a great way to end the show here, Mike. Um, you know, cool. like I said earlier, really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate the bands you're a part of, and I hope that you know we get to cross paths again sooner than later. Um, and you know, see, foresee a lot of the 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 new music that you've put out uh, with the bands that you've been a part of in a live setting. Um, as I'm far as all, all of Mike's socials and band links will be in the description of the video and the show notes. But if there's anything that you want to plug or send the people off with uh, before we end it, uh, the floor is yours for whatever you got. Cool. Yeah, like uh, all my uh, band's socials are OrthodoxTN on Twitter, Instagram, and then Bather is Bather, Ohio. And then I'm in a death metal band called Natural Selection. That's Nat Select USA at um at instagram and then i've recently kind of like been messing around with a band called zone zero so yes, that's i've also that's heard zone that. zero six one four and and uh I've, I've got a couple other things that haven't come to fruition yet that'll that'll come out pretty soon but yeah that's yeah mike is staying it. very busy on the drumming side and uh you know that should be celebrated because uh you know, drummers uh, are few and far between at times in different hardcore scenes. So, you know, shout out to you for just keeping keeping the kit and the and the backbeat and all that good shit. And uh, thanks for coming on the uh, the podcast, man. I'm I'm glad awesome. that we got thanks to. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs>